0: Welcome to Mint, the corner of where crypto meets the creator economy. My name is Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of Web3. Before we kick off this episode, I wanted to recognize one of the NFT sponsors that's helping make Mint a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already, with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Nier, and Solana, with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3. This episode welcomes Dot, one of the dopest EDM artists in Web3. I first caught her music at ETH Denver, I think it's back in February now. Um, where I got to hear her perform live and she absolutely rips. I'm super excited to have her on this episode and talk to her about all things driving value and creating value for collectors, uh, her journey in Web3 in general, how to navigate the space for newcomers, her up-and-coming music festival that she's throwing for collectors, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Dot, welcome to Mint. Thank you for being on. Thank What's you. going on?
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm good. It's a good week. All things considered. We're here. Let's go. We're making not- it through. Let's go.
0: <laughs> We're here. We're alive. Are you in your studio right now? Where are you?
1: I am not. I'm actually in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, um, mm. crashing out a family members' house at the moment. Um, so I have some of my gear with me, but I'm not in my usual environment.
0: Nice, so, nice, All right. I think. I, recording. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good place to start. Okay, and this is kind of where I start with everyone is a is a quick intro. Okay, for starters, who are you, Dot? What does the world need to know about you? But more specifically, how did you get your way into crypto?
1: Mm, all good questions. Um, yes. Yes. So my name is Dot. My real name is Kate. Kate, all longer. Dot is my artist name. Um, I am a music producer audio engineer, DJ, multi-instrumentalist. Um, I just, I really like music. <laughs> That's an easy answer to that question. I love making music. Um, and uh, yeah, I got into Web3 and crypto, let's see. Initially it was in like 2020, 2021. I was kind of day trading, swing trading as like a fun side hobby. Um, just various coins and things and then kind of got out of that because it was taking up so much of my time and like at the end of the day I want to be an artist and a creator not so much a trader I just don't have the uh, bandwidth to stay researching and keep up to date on all the news around all of that so that was kind of my entry point um, for about a year or so. And then uh, actually got into NFTs and minted some of my work at the top of the year this year, 2022. Um, and so I've mainly been active just as an NFT creator um, and also collector over the past year and just having so much fun with it. So yeah, music definitely my main gig still, but uh, just been having fun with with exploring web three and especially at this early point in, um, in the whole timeline of things. It's, it's a really exciting time.
0: I haven't met an artist in the space that was also a day trader. Uh, That's, that's first to me. That's, that's a weird (laughs) or an interesting combo.
1: I was just really curious about it. And um, you know, I got super lucky, obviously the timing of when I was doing that definitely helped. Um, and I happened to just get out at a good time as well, um, because it took up so much focus and, you know, the markets never closed. So I felt like I was like losing sleep over this sometimes, um, and got super lucky. Uh, there's people that I'm sure do a way better job at it than I do. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun for time and it helped for me to fund, um, some music projects and to just reinvest in music and, and buy some synths and things like that. Um, but that was, it was a, a very short chapter in my life. But yeah, whenever people ask like, how did you get into Web3? They're often surprised to like hear that was my starting point. Cause it's a little bit far removed from music.
0: Before trading, did you have any other like financial or technical background that you kind of like mess around with? Or was that like your <laughs> first experience doing something like that?
1: Not a ton. Um, you know, like, I guess I have like a Roth IRA somewhere. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> kind of <laughs> the extent of, of my, um, yeah, like, I don't know, adventures in finance. Um, so it was something totally new. And, and I was like kind of just experimenting with very small amounts of money. And, Got it. Um, yeah, but it, it did help for me to just understand the space a little bit more and understand the technology behind it before then entering as an artist and creative creating nfts and just having you know a little bit more of a well-rounded perspective there
0: it. so at what at what age did you get into music
1: oh um always <laughs> zero you You've always okay no okay. no that's not true i i mean i started playing piano when i was like six or seven, I think is when I first officially started like lessons. But there was this this um upright piano at my grandma's house in Aberdeen. And I remember when I was super small at time, we'd go visit her. I just want to like bang around on there and and experiment and make noises. And um so eventually my my folks uh got a piano for our house and um which was such a huge gift and and put me in lessons and From there, um, also got into singing, played Mm. a little bit of guitar, had, I had a drum set for about six months before that got banished from the house (laughs) um, growing up. Um, Yeah. And just always loved music. And then I got into Ableton and, and producing Um, that came a little bit later in life. I think when I was in college, like my sophomore year of, of college, undergrad, i uh, I downloaded Ableton for the first time, and then it was just like the mm. like game over. I was so excited about all of the things you could do with just a laptop and some headphones. That's all you really needed. So, yeah, it's been a lifelong thing for me for sure
0: so when you when you first got into music, did you initially explore like the ADM side of things or were you exploring other genres because that's your that's your main genre, right? EDM, you just performed at EDC it as well. Is-
1: Yeah, it is, but it's also, I I love all different genres. I have like a lot of older releases that are more on kind of like the indie, um, alt rock side of things, alt pop, um, and I have just kind of been more into EDM lately because that's where my music seems to fit best. I wouldn't necessarily call myself like an EDM native artist, but, uh. I love playing those festivals. I love DJing so much. I love dance music. I love dancing. Um, so that's kind of where where I'm existing at the moment. We'll see where it goes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll I'll link your your some of your songs in the show notes. But for those who haven't oh, heard you yet, uh, what how would you kind of explain your your genre to someone in EDM?
1: Yeah, it's like uh, I sometimes I know it's kind of a corny way of putting it, but it's like dancing while I'm crying type music Mm. like it's still very emotional um I'm using um less conventional maybe that's the wrong word less common um chord progressions still throwing in like a lot of sevens and nines and extra notes and things in there so there's still like uh there's there's a a, I'm not that's not to say that uh mainstream medium isn't also emotional or doesn't sometimes employ those chord progressions but um, yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, just all about partying and getting drunk at the festival and, and all of this. Like, I do want to convey a wider range of emotions um, than what, I don't know, some people might think of when they think of EDM. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, when I first came across you, it was at ETH Denver uh catalog the the nft platform the One One platform uh hosted like a really really great party they featured a lot of the artists on their platform and you were one of them and i remember at the same time i tweeted about this uh, around that time but tiesto was playing the same around the same time that you were playing and uh, my cousin and i we worked together and uh, we were like should we go to tiesto should we stay here and thankfully we stayed because i think out of everyone that was performing we really enjoyed your set the most. And we like when you got on stage, like the vibes the vibes kicked in kind of thing. Oh, right. Man, and, I, and I remember awesome. I remember we were like looking at each other, like, wow, like who is this? Like this is really fucking good. Like who's playing right now? We've never really heard music like this before. Um, so that kind of like intros oh, so us into, <laughs> into web three. Um, so when you first minted that piece on chain, was that on OpenSea? Was that on Zora? Like how did you kind of know what platforms to use and how to navigate that landscape?
1: Yeah, um, that's another good question. I so my first one was actually um, on Catalog. Um, I was very like blessed and fortunate to have connected with Cece um, from Catalog, and and then through her and Jeremy. Um, so they helped to onboard me onto the platform, walked me through the whole process um, kind of held my hand through the first minting experience. Um, and so that, yeah, that was my intro. Um, and since then I've also done a couple of drops on sound and those are the only two platforms that I've, I've worked with so far. Um, and just kind of being very, um, I got the careful isn't the right word, but, uh, selective mm. <laughs> with where things end up, um, that's, I, I don't want to be, I don't want this project to be scattered across too many different places, too right. many different chains, et cetera. Um, so I'm just kind of keeping it limited to those two for now. But yeah, my first foray into minting was, was through catalog. And it was, it's was it been such a great experience ever since.
0: One of the biggest challenges that a lot of creators have in the space, whether you're music, a musician, an artist, whatever, is finding that first collector to support you, to kind of align with your art. Uh, how did you find yours? Like, what was the story behind that?
1: Um, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I I had never actually spoken to my first uh, collector before. I didn't know who they were. Um, but months leading up into the drop, I mean, I was still very active in a lot of different spaces around music, NFTs, um, mm. supporting other people's projects, learning as much as I could. Um, so it wasn't like, Hey, I'm just going to mint this and, you know, see what happens. Like I had definitely done, um, a few months of work prior to that, just learning, understanding and, um, really just trying to connect with the, the community. Um, cause that's been my favorite part of web three so far, honestly. And I'm sure a lot of people would say the same thing is just, um, the people that they've met through, through the space. And so I think putting in that. Um, time and making those relationships ahead of time is really what kind of led me to wherever I am now with the collectors I have now. But um, yeah, it it didn't have any personal relationship with them prior. It was just a total surprise. So
0: So that's kind of like what I, I preach on the podcast. I think it was Daniel Allen who introduced this kind of concept, concept of learning and educating yourself and joining communities uh, prior to kind of approaching your first drop and trying to find your first few collectors. Um, when he was on, I think it was like season three, kind of referenced like, okay, if you want to drop something, put a pin in it and then revisit that three to six months from now. Join communities, buy some tokens, support other people, educate yourself, meet, meet and make friends online. And then likely those people will probably be your first few collectors, if not your first collector. Um, so. You didn't know who who was your first collector from what from what you're telling me.
1: No, I didn't just know who they were. Person. I mean, okay. yeah, I was like, who's um their their Twitter handle is side Bourgeoisie? I was like, who <laughs> who is that? It's so so funny, it's so clever. <clears throat> um and yeah, so and and even since I mean I think the one collector who I have now who I knew maybe prior to minting was um Cooper and cooper is uh let's see i think i met him like maybe the year before minting i was playing at at exchange in la um and so we had some mutual friends and and met backstage there um and then i was just being a, a creepy internet stalker for a few months and like just absorbing a lot of what he was sharing um He's, you know, as ever, many know, you know, such a, a wealth of information and resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just following a lot of of what he was putting out. Um, and so it was really cool to then, you know, so much later after first meeting him, like, have him collect one of my, one of ones on catalog and, and some other um, NFT cents. So, yeah, yeah that, I think sense. that was Cooper. one, like, pre-existing connection, but yeah.
0: Yeah, Cooper has been on the pod uh, a bunch as well. Uh, shout out to Coop. Um, so I also want to talk to you about this like this concept of value because an NFT is just like a token at the end of the day, right? And it derives value somehow, right? Figuring out what to price your first drop or your first one of one or your first edition can actually be really challenging. Uh, when Verte was on, who's another like really well-known artist in, in the crypto space, uh, she basically suggested... Not putting a price on it, rather leaving an open market bid and letting kind of like the market decide what what the value is. Right? Did you approach it the same way, or how did you kind of how did you kind of decide decide what value to attribute to your first drop, let alone future drops that you initiated afterwards?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because um, I think my approach to this has sort of changed over the last few months um, to where nowadays I really i am most comfortable just letting the market decide. Um, I do think it is, though, important to to value yourself, you know, and to value your work. And I think you can still do that while letting the market decide via auction or however, um, you know, what they want to spend on something or value something at. Um, But yeah, a lot of my first drops, I set like a pretty what I would consider a fairly high, um, uh, reserve price. Um, and then now in a lot of recent drops, I've just been setting it at like 0.1 or something that's really accessible because I do also want to give folks, and I'm talking about this, speaking on this in reference to one of ones. Um, and, and I do want to give collectors, you know, a chance to maybe get things at more affordable prices if someone's not really prepared to spend like, you know, four ETH or five ETH on a one of one. Like it's it's cool to also like give folks a window <laughs> into collecting um, that doesn't immediately, you know, price them out at a certain point. So it it varies. I wish I had a clearer answer to this question. Ultimately it's something that I have decided in this format is is out of my control. Um, I can't really force people to say like, hey, you need to value this at this much money um, because it's up to the person and it's up to their relationship with the work. Um, and it's not so much in my direct control. Mm-hmm. Um, it and, and And, you know, what something sells for doesn't necessarily dictate, you know, what I consider the work to be worth at the end of the day also, you know? And so... Um, those two things don't have to be the same, basically.
0: <laughs> I've heard stories of artists getting offended uh, by bids being placed on their work, mm. and I guess that leads me to like my next question: like, what makes one music NFT more valuable than others?
1: Yeah, it's. I don't think there's an easy answer to that question because it's always going to be different for different people. You know, folks have different motives for collecting things. Some people. See it, um, you know, as a way to make money, and um, it's you know a new asset class for them. Um, some people, it's about the connection with the artist, um, and it's about their you know maybe belief or future belief about where the project is going to go over time. Maybe there's some overlap there with financial gains as well. Um, for some people, it's about the utility of the NFT and like maybe what that gains access to. Mm. Um, either in the moment or in the future uh, depending on what that particular artist or project is building towards so it's it's just i feel like it's an impossible answer honestly to give
0: i think like what ends up driving value to music nfts could be things that occur off chain like the amount of royalties or streams that a song accrues that ends up being tokenized right or yeah. sort of the community that gets built around the assets, right? And building a band of collectors around your brand, building a band of collectors around your music on chain. Um, and I guess like my, my, my next question to you is what do you think collectors care about the most before they buy a music NFT? Is it the song? Do they actually connect with the music? Do they see a potential to invest in an artist uh, in like a non-equity format because they think this artist is going to do well in the future? Do they just want to join a community, be a part of the conversation? Do they want to help the artist? These are all sort of answers that I've kind of heard trickle in the past. But from your perspective, why do you think collectors care about collecting these these music collectibles? And that's a lot of collects in one sentence. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, from from who I've talked to, which is you know, the, it's a limited perspective, but um, I find that at least with a lot of my collectors, it it really is about community for one thing and and also just wanting to support the artist um again everyone is going to have their own unique motives um based on their own experiences but i really and, and part of the reason why i also wanted to make music nfts and work with this this format and this medium in the first place was because i genuinely um I crave stronger connections with my community, Um, you know, with a platform like Spotify, I might have like a million plays on a song, but I have no idea really who those people are. I can see like breakdowns of demographics, but I don't have a way to directly reach out to them or start conversations with them. Um, And, and that's really disappointing. And it's, and it's, it's just, it's hard for me to get excited about, putting music on those platforms um, because it it just feels like there's no real emotional connection to the listener in that way. Um, Whereas, you know, if I'm playing a song live at a show, I can see everyone in front of me who's connecting with it. I have that, that experience. So I I think um, through music NFTs, this maybe offers uh, a ways to just improve those connections and, and that sort of feedback of energy with people um beyond you know the sort it's almost like a one-sided conversation of like hey here's my work Mm -hmm. and then the convo stops there Uh, that's just not as exciting to me um
0: so should artists strive for quantity over quality or vice versa for example optimize Mm. for streams versus a small band of collectors on chain for example like what what's your mental model around that? Because you need to yeah. do both, right? I think they're not like yeah. I, I don't think they live in individually, but where's that happy medium, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's gonna be different for everyone. Um, I know for me in my career, I'm I'm definitely trying to approach all of this in as balanced of a way as possible. Um, I recognize that. Within Web3 at this point, we don't really have the reach that, you know, Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Music, um, putting music out on these platforms can have. Um, So we do need to exist in those spaces. I do appreciate connecting with people in that way, too. I don't mean to say that I don't appreciate that. Um, it's just, I don't feel as much of an emotional connection to it because I, there's no way for me to even really process like the numbers of people that are streaming it.
0: Um,
1: so, so it's like that to me is still a necessary part. Um, and, you know, interacting with like the traditional music industry in certain ways for me is, is still necessary. Um, you know, working with an agent going out getting on these other festival lineups and like trying to tour and play as many shows as possible that's all super important to me and it's something that I just love doing I'm so thrilled to to be able to spend time doing that um and at the same time um you know I I it's like I want to make music that uh it's not necessarily for the masses of course I want to connect with people as many people as possible through music but I don't ever want to compromise my vision to make something that's maybe more like easily digestible or listenable to someone or fits easier onto a playlist um so to me then having a small group of you know more like hardcore fans appreciators collectors who who really care about that niche type of music um is is special to me as an artist and sort of from the perspective of like my own integrity and just not, not compromising, um, you know, the music that I make to fit, in these other arenas, if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense
0: at all. What's up, guys? Adam Levy here. Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to recognize a couple of our NFT sponsors who are helping make this episode a reality. They are CoinVise and MintSongs. First up, on CoinVise, you can create a personal or community-owned social token on Ethereum. CoinVise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting coinvise.co today next up we've got mint songs a community curated marketplace for one-of-one one music nfts minted on ethereum mint songs connects music lovers and collectors with artists that want to build unique one-to-one relationships with their fans through music to join as an artist you will need to be invited by an existing artist or an existing collector within the mint songs community check out the artist pioneering the future of web three music today by visiting MintSongs.com. All right, back to the episode. That makes, a, that makes a lot of sense because I guess you, you want to you wanna create more value and more like interpersonal experiences with your listeners slash collectors, right? And yeah. I, know, I know you've been vocal about that. Kind of the conversation that we had prior to the interview was kind of understanding what you have in store for your collectors. So my next question to you is what has been your experience, one, with trying to bring more value to your collectors, and two, what do you have in store for them in the future?
1: Yeah, so my experience so far with with Utility has been um, giving collectors, you know, access to my shows for one thing. So if I'm, you know, on tour in their city, um, they can email an address that I have, uh, request guest list and come to the show. Um, So they can just be on my list and in some cases come hang out backstage. Um, In some cases also win like festival passes to EDC or to Hard Summer, which is coming up um so definitely trying to create value through those um kind of just pre-existing shows and things and sending people merch sending people signed vinyl so they have some physical things as well mm. um but going forward um i'm actually really excited to be putting together a new uh, it's going to be an annual series um that and the first one is kicking off this august um, called sonic summit uh, and so it's going to be an uh, intimate kind of, it, it's almost like an artist retreat, but you don't have to be an artist to come and to participate. Um, so it's going to be three days here in uh, in Sun Valley, Idaho, um, which if you've never heard of, of Sun Valley, it's not um, maybe like the farmland visual that comes to mind <laughs> when you think of Idaho. Um, it's nestled in between like these five different mountain ranges. It's a really, really beautiful place um and it's somewhere that i've come to like most summers and winters since i was a kid i've lived here on and off actually a lot in my adult life um i i just i have such a deep connection with this place a lot of other artists in the past too have all come here to write to create music um i know hemingway uh has had a very strong presence here and he's actually buried here um so lots of like authors artists from many different points um, in the last, I guess, decade or so. I think this place was started in like the thirties. I should should brush up more on the history of Sun (laughs) Valley. It's a a really cool place. It's a special place. Um, So I'm really excited to be bringing people out here for three days of just some hiking, um, eating some good food in town, um, having some good conversations. We'll do some yoga, do a little bit of mindfulness. Um, and on the last day, we're actually going to do a small uh, outdoor concert. So it's going to be um, open for collectors to come to. Uh, we're going to get a nice production crew out here to come and film it. So it'll be streamed oh, for those who wow. are able to travel for it. Um, and then I just I just want to have recordings of everything um, so that way we also as artists have those assets to then share use however we want to and it's it's we're, we're creating something that's this really special intimate experience but I also don't want to like exclude people from experiencing the art so we will have like recorded versions of of everything too um, but I'm just so thrilled to be putting this together like I've I've done a lot of artist retreats out here in the past and have been trying to think of ways to like Put something together that also includes fans, includes music appreciators, but not have it be an overwhelmingly large event or something that I can't reasonably mm. manage with a small team. Because, um, you know, I'm still independent. I'm not signed to any major labels. And it, I think to to fund something on a larger scale would be very challenging. So keeping it small and intimate um and kind of like a laid-back easygoing approach it's like i don't want every single second of the day to be scheduled i want people to be able to come out here and relax um so yeah putting together something like this has been a dream of mine for a long time and um, it just seems like using web3 to kind of connect all the dots no pun intended (laughs) is a really great way to to bring together the right community for this and um, yeah, execute this project. So I'm really excited.
0: I have yet to see an artist do something at this scale for their community. Uh, I think it's really unique. I think it's really powerful. And I think once you do it, you're going to set the example for many other artists to create more like grandiose experiences around their collector community, right? I guess my question to you is, what do you hope to achieve by the end of the of the festival? Like, why why mm. put something like this together? Okay, sure, bring people together. But is it to have everybody connect with one another? Are you dropping something during that time? Do You just want to say thank you. Like, what's the goal behind this?
1: I just want everyone to make really good memories, honestly, and to have really good experiences that, um, you know, maybe shapes a little bit of of their outlook on life in some way or their perspective on life or just maybe provides them with a little bit of relief from this crazy, crazy world that we are living in. I know maybe politically speaking, bringing folks to Idaho is not as much in alignment with my values as other locations, but um, the nature here is really powerful. And that's something that I, I just genuinely want to share it with, with good people. Um, so there's not really any bigger motives at, at play besides Amazing. just wanting people to have a really good experience here. This is something that it, it shapes a lot of the music that I create. And so I think to have like fans come and be able to see, you know, some of the inspiration behind what I'm doing. Um, I, I just think that's a really cool thing. Um then that's yeah, I wish I had a cooler answer. I love but, that. Yeah, no, that, that's as cool like,
0: as it gets, honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I just want people to have a good time. Um yeah, and, and everyone's um, gonna get airdrop some um I'm calling them adventure passes, which I know is a little bit corny and Disney sounding, but I thought it was cute. Um, so all of my holders are getting these adventure passes. And then for, you know, future events, and like, if we can keep doing these, maybe even in other locations um, around the world, I'm, I'm you know, this getting a little far ahead of myself, because I want to make sure we can just get this one executed so far. But Um, My goal and my plan here is to do these in other locations, and then you can get like your adventure pass stamped for each one you go to. So it's kind of like a (laughs) passport, um, on-chain passport uh, for this project. So yeah, I've got like a million other ideas beyond this too, but you know, this is what I'm focused on executing right now. I'm just really excited about it.
0: I love that. What a way to tie value all together and uh, create memorable experiences for the people who kind of bet on you early on. Um, I'm hoping I can make it to the to the to the you big festival. Come. Yeah, I, I'm down. August
1: or 21st. It'll it'll be fun.
0: That's really cool and actually a really unique experience that I've yet to see more more people do. So props to you, Top. Before I let you go, I want to leave you off with one final question. Okay, for new artists entering the space that want to achieve, I guess, a fraction of success or a level of success that you've achieved so far, finding collectors, building a community, performing at Web3 conferences, building an audience in the space. What are some tips, three tips that you'd give someone um, on how to navigate? And this could be either from something that you wish you had known prior to starting that you've kind of learned as, you, as you've developed or I guess whatever comes to mind. Yeah,
1: um, that's a really good question. I think the biggest tip that I would give is uh, just showing beforehand, showing up in the community as as a as a supporter. Um, Even when I was getting my start in music prior to Web3, um, like a lot of where I began as a producer and as a DJ all came from um, like the L.A. kind of underground scene. Um, I played at like Low End Theory, which was this um, really incredible club that happened every Wednesday night at the airliner in L.A. Um, for, I think, over 10 years running. Um, and, and the reason why I, I was able to play there so much and and like release records on Alpha Pup and um, be immersed in that community is because before all that happened, I was just showing up every single week, because I was a, a huge fan of the music and a huge fan of all the artists who were playing there. Um, and I would be there open to close, I would help like, load stuff in, I was like an intern at the label for a while. Um, and and so I think I it really just tried to apply a lot of that ethos to, to my involvement in Web3. And it wasn't even done, like on a conscious level, I just understand that, like, if you know, you want to participate in a scene um or a community you have to start as as like a supporter and a contributor um, otherwise you're just showing up and saying hey hey look at me this is what I can do and and it's like people are like okay well hi <laughs> why should I care or like okay cool um, I, I just think it's important that you you show up as a supporter and, and it's not even something that you know maybe you should have to think of doing it's like if you love that scene or that community and that music like hopefully that just kind of comes naturally um so that's definitely a a really big tip just you know maybe show up for other artists who you care about and support um if you can't afford to like buy someone's one of one you know a retweet is free um sharing the the word is free so i think that's really important um besides that as far as tips go um gosh that's really my biggest one can i just have one instead of three (laughs) keep it focused
0: yeah that works we'll (laughs) we'll we'll wrap it up with that that was the mic drop uh we love to hear it before i let you go where can we find you where can we find more about the conference slash event you're putting together um and yeah and your music in general where can we find that
1: uh, yes, my so I think if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, those are pretty two pretty good hubs. Um, I am dot music on Twitter. So D O T M V S I C the U is a V dot music, music, <laughs> <And> <laughs> same thing on Instagram. Um So there'll be more information there. Um, you should be able to find like, you know, there's a link in my bio that has all of the links to all the things. So if you want to jump in my discord server, That's getting a major update here in the next week, and we can connect there. Um, So I'm really excited to get that hub going again. Um, Music is everywhere you like to listen to internet music. Um, So it is on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. If you just search Dot or Dot, Ambush EP is my latest release. um, It should pop up for you there. Got drops on catalog and sound, and yeah, I'm everywhere. everywhere.
0: You're everywhere. <laughs> you we have, have to, to be see everywhere. Todd, <laughs> thank you so much. We'll have to do this again soon.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I just, I love the podcast. I'm such a fan and just so stoked to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on making it this far into the episode. You are a champ. And because of that, I want to say thank you by giving you a free participation NFT. You can claim yours today by visiting adamlevy.io forward slash NFT. Follow the steps on your screen and you'll be good to go. Also, depending on which platform you're listening on, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, favorite, etc. It really helps grow the platform and our reach online. And last but not least, I want to give some love and recognize one of our NFT sponsors who's helping make this episode a reality. They are CyberConnect, a decentralized social graph protocol allowing users to own and control their social connections while providing a universal data layer backed by powerful social features to empower developers. Already, with 150,000 users and 3 million connections, CyberConnect is the largest decentralized social graph supporting Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, Near, and Solana, with more coming soon. To learn more, visit cyberconnect.me and start connecting with everyone in Web3.